0: now we want you to share with us our latest and greatest dream disneyland
1: just go to action park there's no other park like it six flags great adventure it's not a world away
0: paramount's king's island we will officially open universal studios florida hello i'm michael eisner Now, here is your host. Welcome back to the Defunct Land Podcast. My name is Kevin Perger, and today we will be continuing our discussion with former Imagineer and puppeteer Terry Harden. Today is everything Captain EO. Terry's main job on the film was puppeteering Idy and Odie, but she did much more, which we are both very excited to get into. This is going to be a very exciting week on the Defunct Land Podcast. Today we will have a great discussion on Captain Eo. On Wednesday, Terry and I will do a commentary for the film, which will be published on Defunctland's YouTube channel, and on Friday we will finish our discussion with Terry on a bunch of random tangents that didn't fit into the first two episodes. So now on to your questions about Captain Eo. The first comes from our executive producer at Defunct Land, Bleaker. His question for you, Terry, is what was it like to work with Michael Jackson?
1: Well, uh, Bleeker, and let me say that um, you can always have me back. So what may happen is, as I tell you stories from today, you may spark questions of tomorrow and just get with Kevin. And if you want to come back and do Captain EO2 or whatever, don't (laughs) hesitate because I'm more than happy to talk about it. But uh, Michael Jackson, this was 1985. Um. Michael Jackson was huge at this time. He had done Thriller, he had done Billie Jean, he had done, everything he touched was golden. His dancing was at its peak. He was an amazing, amazing individual. I was working, I can't remember exactly where I was working at the time, but I got a phone call. And the phone call said, how would you like to work with Michael Jackson? And I said, hmm. That sounds cool. How would you like to work with George Lucas? Mmm, getting better. And Francis Ford Coppola. Now, I'm a huge, huge, did I say huge, Godfather fan, and I love Francis Coppola. So that was the deal sealer. I said, I'm in. I'll work for free, (laughs) which you should never say. Um, But I meant it. And they brought me down to build the Whip Warriors. I was originally hired to build the Whip Warrior costumes And uh, I had a drawing, and one of the things I'm really good at is interpreting the drawing to fit people. But they wouldn't let me see what the dancers were doing. They kept saying, oh, they're not going to be dancers. They're going to be people walking around. And then later, of course, you've seen the the video where the helmet gets knocked off. So, of course, they're dancers. Duh. But anyway, I'm building the—I'm starting to get my stride building these when I get a phone call. So now I'm at the studio in Culver City building these characters. And I get a call at home in San Fernando Valley, which is an hour away, that they want puppeteers for Captain EO. So I come home, I get the message, and then I call and I leave a message and I say, look, I'm in studio blah, blah down the street from you. Just go come get me. Yes, I'm available. And the next day I get the same phone call. So finally I walk into the producer's studio on the lot and say, Guys, I'm Terry Harden. I hear you're looking for me. They go, oh my gosh, where you been? I said, come out here. See that door? That's where I've been. And they're like, oh my gosh. I said, I'm building for this movie, but I'm also an extremely good puppeteer. I would love to audition. So they brought me into audition for the characters and one of the reasons I think I got Idy and Odie was because each head weighed 15 pounds and I was the only person who could not only lift these two characters, but perform these two characters. So the next thing I know I'm cast as Idy and Odie. Now, Michael Jackson... We're told we're going to do a script reading. This is where everybody comes together, reads through the script, and the director, Francis Ford Coppola, explains the process in which he plans to shoot. And so we're all invited. Now, I'm nervous because I am a huge Francis Ford Coppola fan. I mean, I am shaking. I don't want to be an idiot. And... A man walks up to me in Bermuda shorts and a big smile and says, Hi, I'm Francis. I say, Hi, I'm Terry. And when he turns and walks away, I go, Oh, my God, that was Francis Ford Coppola. (gasps) (laughs) So Francis brings us all together. He sits us all at a table. And at the table are Francis Ford Coppola at the head, Angelica Houston, who played the witch. She is also present. And then lots of um, producers, Disney-type producer people, And then all of the puppeteers and suit performers that are playing the characters, because Idy and Odie were also two little people that made the character walk. I did 90% of the performing because they couldn't perform the heads, but they could do the walking scenes. And then you had, um, Tony who played Hooter and he did almost all of his work himself because he just had a a little elephant character that was around his body, his arms, his legs, so he could move a lot easier than the others, and we had all the other characters, uh, Domo and uh, Major Domo, and all of these characters that were sitting around. So, Fran, we're waiting for Michael. Michael Jackson has not yet arrived. So Francis tells us that that w- the puppeteers are not going to be doing the reading. The costume performers will do the reading so anyone who's in the suit gets to do the reading why because the producer seems to understand that if you're wearing a costume you're an actor but if you're a puppeteer what the hell are you so we were on the sidelines just listening no problem at least we were invited finally Michael comes in and he's followed by a huge entourage and he's so sorry He's, 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 he's got this thing that happened or that thing that happened. He's so sorry he's late. And he takes a seat. The only seat available was next to me. I have to tell you, puppeteers are stinkers. <laughs> we are always looking to do something fun and silly. Michael sits down. I say, hello. And he looks at me very surprised and says, hello. And I said, uh, are you all right? And he says, excuse me? And I said, are you okay? And he says, I'm okay. And he turns to Francis and says, excuse me, but may I record this reading? And Francis says, of course, Michael. Now, Michael has three people in his entourage. We will call them hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil. (laughs) Each one has a job of which I don't know. But I automatically look to Michael to pull out a tape recorder and push record. But no, here No Evil runs from his position on the side of the theater, of the soundstage, forgive me, and places a microphone in the middle, pushes play, and disappears. Whoosh. Recorder. Play. Whoosh. Gone. And I look at Michael and go, what the heck was that? And Michael says, "Hehe," <laughs> And... Then we start to read. So as we're reading, everything is going along swimmingly. And then Michael Jackson has trouble. And I look over and he's got the pages of the script all messed up. So Sino evil runs forward, grabs the script, hands it to Michael, gone. Whoosh, fix the script, whoosh, gone. And I go, what the hey? And Michael looks at me and goes, (laughs) and then he continues reading. So we continue on, and he says, I have brought you this. uh, uh, uh. I have brought you this. uh, 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 uh." And the third person, so we've seen here, we've seen speak. I mean, we've seen see. So speak no evil, runs up, juice, runs back. And so (laughs) whoosh, juice, whoosh. And I go, okay, that's it. I'm looking at Michael. That's it. I've just never seen anything like this. Let me try. So I close my eyes and I go, uh, 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 and I open my eyes and go, where's my juice? <laughs> and Michael laughs and says, hey, you're funny.
0: <laughs> well, you actually did this during the table read. I did read. this,
1: sitting Or you, right weren't, next or to you weren't
0: even reading lines.
1: I'm not reading lines. I am being... Probably for Francis Ford Coppola, Francis has no idea what I'm doing. He's just like, what a, I don't even know what he was thinking. But Michael was like, who is this person I got planted next to, I'm sure. So, so I said, where's my juice? And he says, hey, you're funny. So later on in, in the, the reading... That's a
0: perfect impression, by the way.
1: Yeah, well, he... So, so this was my first introduction to Michael. Then my second introduction was that Francis Ford Coppola likes to do improv with his actors... And I chased Michael all over the soundstage because I played a whip warrior and I have to work the whip very well. So I turned to Michael, I cracked the, whip, cracked the whip over his head and said, run. So I'm chasing him all over the soundstage going, run, Michael, run. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and Francis is like, Terry, we're not here to terrorize people. Cut it out and get over here. <laughs> so I came back over and I said, well, I was just getting into my character. And he's like, fine, whatever. But, uh, but uh, uh, Michael was a very sweet, wonderful, generous, dear person. And he was about, in all due respect of, of music and everything, I'd say if I talked to him like my 12-year-old son, we did great. So although he was only one year younger than I was at the time, he was very much a child. And, but a really talented dancing, programming, music designing, amazing uh, genius. Michael is just this energetic, sweet nut. In fact, he liked to play practical jokes on people. And because I would pretend to be affected by them, he was always tracking me down to play practical jokes. For example, the rattlesnake egg joke. If those of you who know the rattlesnake egg joke will know what this joke is. You take a rubber band, you put it on a stick or a bobby pin, you twist it up really tight, you seal it in an envelope, and you walk up to someone and you say, uh, such and such just sent me rattlesnake eggs. Would you like to see them? And then when the person opens the envelope, the rubber band goes and scares you. So with Michael, he came up to me and he says, Terry, I just, somebody just sent me some rattlesnake eggs and I know this joke. And I, really, Michael? And he goes, you want to see him? I'm like, I've never seen rattlesnake eggs before. And he goes, you want to see him? I go, yes. And then it would scare me half to death. I would make it more than it was, and he would always laugh. (laughs) So it just tickled him to death. And pun after joke after joke, I was the one that he would always come and, and, and see because I was just, he was playful that way. And then I would have my lunch on the EO set, and one day Michael said, Uh, Michael was there. I walked into the EOSet, which was always empty to have my lunch so I could have some peace because it was a very busy, hustly-bustly set, a lot of screaming and yelling to get things done quickly. And so I would get my lunch and I would take it on the set and just quietly eat it while enjoying the silence. And I heard a sound and I said, is someone in here? And the voice called back, it's me. And I said, Michael? Yes. And I said do you want to be alone? Do you, do you, I was going to eat my lunch in here. He said, no, I'm eating my lunch in here. Why don't you come and join me? So I sat with him on the steps of the set, him and I, and we were eating our lunch. And I said to him, I said, Michael, um, can I ask you a very personal question? And he said, yes. And I said, you don't have to. And he said, no, no, I, I'd be happy to. So I said, everybody knows you. I mean, I don't think there's a place you can go. I think if Michael Jackson went to the moon and it was inhabited, the moon men would go, Michael Jackson! I just believe there's nowhere that you're not known. And he smiled. And I said, so, if I were a genie and I came down to Earth and I said, Michael, you get three wishes because of your generosity, because of what you've given the world, and all of the affection you've shown it. I grant you three wishes, what would they be? And he said, no one had ever asked me that before. And I said, I said, OK, then call me no one. I'm just asking it. He laughed. And he said, the first thing I'd like to do is to get my childhood back, because Michael was famous since four years old. And once he was famous, his parents would not allow him to climb a tree. He couldn't get dirty. He, they didn't want him to get in trouble for fear he would break something, hurt something or whatever. So he never got to be a child, which is why he was a child now, incidentally. Then, the second question was, the second wish was to go to a mall without having to buy it first. So the next time you're walking through the mall with your friends, everybody, understand that Michael Jackson wanted to be you. Money doesn't, have, money doesn't take care of everything, and fame isn't necessarily a good thing. He really would have loved to walk among people like everybody else, and have that opportunity. And the third thing was to walk on, walk someplace and never be noticed. Like, be somewhere where no one noticed him. Now, I'll give you a footnote to this. Uh, A very good friend of mine, Rick Baker, who is responsible for doing the makeups in Thriller, among other amazing makeups, Google him if you don't know him, Rick Baker, the amazing Rick Baker, Um, became friends with Michael on Thriller, and he made Michael up as a elderly Jewish man, white Jewish man, and Michael walked down in the beach, on the beach, like at Venice or someplace, and he would bump into people and people would cuss him. Get away from you old man. Move along, old man. What's the matter with you? Can't you see where you're going? And it was all the time Michael Jackson. And he loved that day. <laughs> he had that day where he could just not be noticed and get, you know, pushed around and everything. So, he loved that. So, you find that many celebrities... As much as we admire their life and their work and their money, celebrity is not the reason that people want to become a performer or an actor. That's, that's one of the penances you have to put because it, it literally gobbles up your life and you don't, um, you don't get to... You don't have any freedom. You have some freedoms, but you have none others. So this is what Michael said to me. And then Michael said, let me ask you a question. I said, of course, Michael. He said, you love movies you're always imitating people. I watch you and you're imitating people all the time in front of your friends. And I said, oh, yes, I love to do imitation. And he says, who's your favorite actress? I said, you're going to think I'm kissing your butt on this one, but Elizabeth Taylor. And, he's, and I said, I love her. I love her. Two movie, three movies, Giant, um, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and Butterfield 8. And I said, in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, she says, long as she can, honey, long as she can. And I said, that woman could really... Can really rock a, rock a slip and I know you know her. if you if you see her tell her she has an admiring adoring fan that anytime Ken on the Ro roof comes on or anything of that nature, I'm watching it. and he smiled. Well two days later we're doing the ship sequence of Captain EO with Michael Jackson. That's the scene where Michael's on the ship. And all of his crew is on the ship, and we're like the
0: first half of the movie.
1: Yeah, where we're 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 rocking back and forth. We're getting shot at, and so this was a giant gimbal used by hydraulic water that would move us back and forth on this ship to give us that rocking motion. And after a take was done, and I was hot and sweaty after doing Idy and Odie, the bird characters. I hear Michael's voice behind me, Terry, I have someone I want you to meet. And I took the puppet off, turned around, and it was Elizabeth Taylor. Wow. And I went, ah, wiped my hand on my clothes, trying to make it as dry as possible. She reached her hand out and said, Michael tells me you're very talented. And I reached out my hand and said, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's all I could say. I, I, oh, my goodness. You're here. And so Michael was always doing generous things for people, and that was the generous thing he did for me. I got to have a conversation with her. I imitated lines that she had said. She gave a giggle, and then she told Michael, thank you for introducing us because it was fun to be around such a passionate, goofy person and uh, and then she left, and then I did a movie called Flintstones when she came back, and I wondered if she would remember me, and she did. That oh, was the wow. one thing about Michael Jackson and Elizabeth Taylor, is that they remember names better than anyone I've ever known in my entire life. And it made me work harder on remembering names, because up until that point, I would say, I'm just not good with names. Now I say, say your name to me a couple of times, because I don't want to forget it. And if I do, please forgive me. Uh, it could be a senior moment. You know, because if they can do it, I should be able to do it. The hundreds of thousands of people that they both knew and remembering a name, like Michael, came and said hello to me to Flintstones, and Flintstones was was years later. And he came on the set, and he's like, Carrie, how you doing? And you're like, seriously? You know? <laughs> wow.
0: And seriously? so, how long did you, did you keep in contact with Michael at all after uh, Captain EO, and after you would see him every once in a while?
1: Yes, because... Um, I was brought back for reshoots and he kissed my cheek, and there were fans and they went, Oh! And I said, I guess I better not wash this cheek or they'll get mad at me, huh? And Michael <laughs> laughed. And then um, he hired me for several other projects. So I did uh, Moonwalker with him. I didn't do puppetry, I built a lot of his weapons for him. And then he had me build a dragon for his lead guitarist, which after it was done, she wouldn't wear it. So she said it was too heavy. Um, it wasn't my dragon. It was the fiber optics. Uh, but, uh, but he was in contact with me all the way up and pretty much, um, the, the, we lost touch for about a month before he passed away. Oh, wow. And, uh, I was really sad. And then, um, Elizabeth Taylor, um, I think she, I got a note from her. I don't think it was written, but I got a note from her and she was telling me that this huge funeral that they were, that they were doing at the Staples Center was just for them to attach their name to his and make money. So she was not going, and she wondered if I was going, and I said, no, 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 I wasn't going. But I wasn't going because I wasn't invited. Um, but I just said, well, I'll stand with Elizabeth Taylor in solidarity and uh, and not go. But a joyful, wonderful, generous, fun, sweet uh, person, always very giving and always very, very uh, supportive of, of so many People. And if he could do something for me, I, I said, whatever. In fact, he came to me and he said, everybody's getting a picture with me and you didn't have a picture with me. And I said, I'm sorry, Michael, I don't want to treat you like a standy card. You're my friend. And he said, well, friends take pictures. And I said, fair enough. I said, I will, however, show you my portfolio. And uh, so the his photographer took a picture of me, which I have and show often, which is on some of my Facebook pages and my, my um Fan page and stuff like that. During the rehearsal, we did this improv, as I mentioned before, and um, if those of you who don't know what improv is, it's when the actors get together, the director gives each group of actors a different agenda, and then tells you what the outcome must be. So he gathered all the puppeteers together, Francis did, and he told us we were at a camp, and that our agenda, we, so who do we play? Children at the camp. What is our agenda? Not to mind Michael Jackson under any circumstances. Then Michael was pulled aside. He was told he is the camp counselor. So that's his character, his agenda to get us to behave or he will be fired. Then he goes to Angelica Houston and Angelica Houston is told you are the owner of the camp and you are coming to fire Michael Jackson because he is not getting the job done. And action. So, we're pulling on Michael, we're teasing him. Michael Jackson hey, hey. and he's like, "Please be qua- be behave. If you don't behave, I might not get to be your counselor anymore. Please, please." And we're pulling on him. I mean, imagine this. We're doing we're doing this this scene with some of the biggest names in Hollywood. It's just it was just it was surreal. So then Angelica Houston steps forward, and she rises to her full height, and the, ro- the air sucks out of the room. She doesn't say a word, but you could have heard a pin drop. She's, she's that commanding, and why? Because she was the witch, and Michael was going to be the captain, and we were the people he was trying to protect. That's kind of what the idea was in this improv that we were doing. And she says, Michael Jackson! And she walks up to him, much like the alien walks up to Veronica Cartwright just before the alien kills Veronica Cartwright, lifting her up to the level where he's going to eat her. Angelica Houston does the same. She grabs Michael by the collar and she lifts him off the ground. And in his face, she says, you insignificant little worm, you're fired. And she pushes him, letting him go. Now, the sound stages are slippery, and he stumbles back, loses his footing, falls on his butt and slides about, oh, six feet, shaking. And from that day forward, he was terrified of her. Every Ooh. time he saw her, he would give her a wide angle. Well, this is good, except for in the case of Captain EO, when you're looking at Angelica Houston, who's playing the witch, and you're trying to be Captain EO. So he would look up at her. So, so the idea was to look into her face and be as aggressive as you see him in the film, in the show. Problem was that Angelica Houston made it very clear that she was a Houston she first demanded that there be no love interest for Michael Jackson that she play the princess.
0: Hmm.
1: And Frances Ford Coppola said, Queen, dear, you're a little old to play the princess. <laughs> and she said <laughs> and she said, Queen then. And we had to fire the young girl that they had just cast to be the princess in the original Captain EO. And all her costumes were trashed. Angelica flew in her costume designer, and that's how that rainbow thing was designed. Um, and then she was supposed to fly up in the air as the witch and she saw this and she said, Oh, heck no, 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 no. I'll go up five, six feet and do my performance and you can get some other loser, a crazy person, uh, someone else to do the high routine. And they said, we we can't get anybody. And she said, how about that nut, I mean, person, I mean, how about Terry Harden? (laughs) (laughs) So they call me. They bump my salary for the day up a few hundred dollars because now I'm a stunt woman. And I play the witch in all the scenes where she's high above the ground and you can't really recognize her face. That's me. And so when Michael Jackson, they're shooting Michael Jackson, and he's looking at me, he thought I was Angelica because we looked very much alike in the makeups. And he would go, I am! And he'd look into my face and go, Captain Ewan, I have this gift. Well, of course, Francis is freaking out because... There is no captain in EO at this time. So he asks Michael to go take a break, and I'm hanging 20 feet in the air. And I say, guys, I need to get down. And they <laughs> go, no, 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 Terry, this won't take long. And I go, I really need to get down now. I need to um, um, use the restroom. And so they just, like, let it go. I come flying down, and they catch it just before my face smashes into the ground. I get unhitched, and I come around the corner in the makeup where Michael, I'm in full witch makeup, and I come around the corner, and I go, Michael Jackson, and he goes, ah, (laughs) (laughs) and I start laughing, and he leans in because he knows my laugh, and I go, it's Terry, and he says, Terry, and I said, it's Terry, and he's like, I said, you have been performing opposite me. And he says, You and I said, So can you get this son of a bitch right? And he goes, You cuss. And I said, Yes, I do. Can you get this right? I don't want to be hanging up there all night. And he says, What are you doing up there? I said, Angelica wouldn't do it. So I I'm the lucky, I'm the lucky winner. So that's why, unbeknownst to anyone, I mean, once he knew it was me, he was fine. And was able to do his performance. Cause he was he never was not terrified of her. So So that's a little tidbit I could tell you that I wouldn't be able to tell you during the the film portion. But look, you you see when it's all the loops and things and she's going up, as long as it's not a close-up of her, and you cannot recognize her. It's always me.
0: Uh, DJ Guthrie asked, what was the funniest thing that happened behind the scenes? But I'm assuming it's one of the stories you already told me earlier.
1: Funniest thing. Um, Angelica Houston appeared to be not friendly. Yeah. And so I, being a weirdo, um, when you're a puppeteer, you get a green room if you're lucky. Under the Screen Actors Guild, you're entitled to a green room, but that doesn't mean the production thinks you deserve one. So you have to fight for it. And technically, we're supposed to get our own dressing rooms, but that never happens. They just put us all in one big dressing room if we're lucky and that's where we have to stay but Tony noticed that there were you know 10 puppeteers and he had a trailer all to himself because why he's a suit performer they equate that with an actor so he got his own dressing room and he invited me to share his dressing room I have a huge dressing room Terry why don't you come and share mine because it's crazy that you're all in that other room and I said I would love that And that's how Tony and I became great friends is because we were sharing a dressing room. And basically that means a place where you hang out. You don't actually get dressed in it. You just get a place where you can take a nap, have your lunch in peace, do something quiet. And and Angelica's dressing room is right next door. So I decided that I was going to see if she was mean and take my head off or she was friendly. So... Every morning when she would come in, I would walk up to her dressing room door. I would open it up and I'd go, good morning, Angelica. Have a good day. And then I'd slam the door and (laughs) run away. And I did this for a week. I did this for five days. On the sixth day, she said, stop. Get in here. And I went in and I did my sort of Stan Laurel smiling face and blinking a lot. And she said, what is a matter with you? Do you have some sort of brain damage? How dare you open my door and slam it? What is wrong with you? And I let her sort of vent on me. And all this time doing this Stan Laurel smile, love Laurel and Hardy, Stan Laurel, Google them if you don't know them. And, uh, and th- but this really innocent smile and blink big blinky eyes. And when she was done, I said, I said, Angelica, I can't believe that you're mean. I can't believe that you're that you are as aggressive as you come off. I think you're ha- you might have been having a bad day, so I thought if you started every day with a smile and a positive greeting that you would feel better, so that's what I did it for. And then I did that same stupid dippy smile and she stared at me. She was really frowning. And she stared at me, and she kept looking to see if I was going to break or I was going to laugh or I was going to do anything else. I didn't do anything. I just had this stupid grin. And finally she burst into laughter, and <laughs> then I laughed too. And she said, you're a nut. And I said, I love you, and I love your work, and I want you to have fun. So I wanted you to feel better. And she said, I said, do you feel better? She says, I feel good. You don't have to slam my door anymore. I get it. And we became friends, which is one of the reasons that she gave, she suggested me for that role. Not because I was goofy, although I was, but because she thought it would be a good a good thing for me. And um, one day uh, she invited me into her dressing room and she, she sat down with me and she explained to me that, because she was up for Prissy's Honor, which she later won the award. But she said that, she, you know, I had read a People magazine and it talked about how Jack Nicholson, who she was dating, um, the girl he was dating, did an expose for People Magazine about the affair with Jack while he was seeing Angelica. So I came in and I said, oh, Angelica, I'm so sorry about that People Magazine article. It's so mean. And she said, you don't know how mean it is. Jack, when my dad died, I called Jack to come and be with me. He said he was working. And now that woman has said he was with her when he made that call. So they were still stabbing the knife into her at that time. So she was trying to get through. That's the problem. When you're famous, people just grab any story, mean or nice, and they post it because it sells papers or it sells magazines or it sells a show, and they don't really think of how it's affecting the people that are involved in it. And then you've got people who reach for that bad publicity and making them sell, and then they make themselves famous because of their dysfunction the Kardashians so you know it's like with that happening celebrities have to kind of protect themselves and it's it's I'm not saying they're all good but I am saying they have to be extra careful because everybody has a camera
0: so uh my last question is from John Lagerholm I probably butchered that name as I I butcher all these their names I love them all but I butcher them um So he asked, do you have any toys, merchandise, or other souvenirs related to Captain EO?
1: What do I have from Captain EO? Let me think. I had a t-shirt with the lightning bolt. I don't think I have any toys left. I do have my um, premiere ticket that was at Disneyland. I still have that. Um, They had to tear it, but I made sure they let me keep the top part. And I have... um, I have my signed laser disc from him, and my badge that I wore that got me into the soundstage because it was a closed soundstage. And then I, I, and I have a T-shirt. I when I went to the reopening of Captain EO at Disneyland, they not only um, did they give me a T-shirt, the black one with the, his face on it, which I just adore, um, but they, they announced me as being present in the audience. And I had to stand up and wave at people, and then afterwards, I was getting questions right there outside the, the uh, sh- uh, theater, at in in Tomorrowland. It was very surprising. A lot of pictures, a lot of people. It was great to see people because a lot of people had had their Hooter and their fuzzballs from the first EO merchandise happening, and then they were buying the new ones because the new ones were a little nicer and a little more intricate and stuff so that's probably about oh and I have a jacket Michael had a jacket made for me so I have a jacket that says Captain EO and it's really dated because it's from the 80s so people look at it and they go oh my god that jacket where did you get it and it's so retro it is because it's from the 80s (laughs) and it has EO on the back it's all embroidered (laughs) EO on the back and it says you know cast or something on it I can't remember what it says but Um, They did the same for me for Ghostbusters. They made me a jacket, and it says Ghostbusters, also very retro, because that was 1982 or something.
0: And that's going to wrap up our interview on Captain EO. Join us again on Wednesday as we watch the film for more great behind-the-scenes anecdotes and trivia. As always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Defunctland podcast. Thank you for listening, and thank you for visiting Defunctland.